Ragbag presents I Like the Sound, a celebration of the sound of things. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. A celebration of the sound of things. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. I like peace and I like quiet. I like to hear a tea bag being squeezed against the side of a cup. I like noise and I like riot. I like to hear a giant bowling ball rolling through a cemetery knocking tombstones down like dominoes. I like peace and I like quiet. I like to hear your toes curling, my ear against the tip of your shoe. I like noise and I like riot. I like to hear a stadium full of old modems from the dial-up days all going off at once. Let's hear from the journalist and podcaster, Reg Seaton. Thinking about it, I actually like the sound of running water or trickling water, uh, like like from a fountain or a stream. I don't know why, but that uh, it really resonates with me. It puts me into like a really peaceful, um, peaceful state or waves crashing on the shore. Um, Those two things predominantly. Um, but living in the city, I, I, I live like 17 floors up in, in a building. And so uh, I really like the, the sound of the activity of the city. It, it makes me feel alive. The, the sounds and the activity of a city make me feel alive. It's stimulating. You know, other things like the sound of my cat purring or like the bell of an elevator. <laughs> but most of all, I actually like the sound of silence. Ah, yeah, okay. And do you get the um, the opportunity to experience the sound of silence if you're living in the middle of the city? Uh, no, I don't know if you can hear right now. There's sirens. <laughs> um, oh, right. Right. Um, well, I do. It's it's interesting with where I live in Vancouver. It's it, everything shuts down after two o'clock, so I do get to experience the the sound of silence. It's more in that internal silence as well. So there's a, there's that component, but. I do like I do get to experience the sound of silence in my own way, especially in the it, when I'm in a podcast uh, in this studio doing a podcast. It's soundproof, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I've I've, I've been getting into that lately myself because um, I've gotten into the habit of of listening, having my earphones plugged in for hours on end, and just kind of listening to music, listening to podcasts, listening to the radio, and just like. 
And um, I came to this realization the other day, I just sort of pulled the headphones out. I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm overloaded on sound right now. And I just sat in a silent room for, just for a while, just taking in the quiet. And it was really nice. And I just thought, yeah, I should, I really should do this more often because I think I'm one of those people who gets into a frame of mind where I've got to have something going on. Some sort of activity has to be going in, um, whether it's kind of information going in or just like noise going into my ears. And it's not necessarily uh, the healthiest thing, really. <laughs> no, I, I find that... Uh, would, you, would you agree with that? I, I would actually agree with that. You know, it's, um, I find that the sound of silence just, uh, it, it brings me, it, it centers me in a way. And like yourself, I, you know, I find that, oh, I have to be busy. I have to be thinking about something. And I just come into the, the studio and just close the door sometimes and just sit, you know, with that. And I'm able to find that type of solace. And it, it balances out that information overload and that busy, anxious feeling. But also, it's interesting that you said that you like the sound of the city because a lot of people hate that, you know. It's one of those things that, especially if you're not used to it, you go to a big city and you just sort of, um, there's so much kind of rush, of, particularly if just speaking personally from my experience of going to London. I worked in London for quite a few years. And um, London's weird as part of the UK because the, it's kind of culturally quite a different place. It's very, very sort of fast-paced, and, and uh, the population density is really different to other cities in the UK. So it's kind of a, a weird place in that regard. And um, there's a comedian called Stuart Goldsmith who was describing his experience of, of um, living in London, and he said, all the things that people hate about the city, that's what I love about it. <laughs> as, as, in he, as in he loves the noise, he loves the busyness, he loves the people rushing around, bumping into each other. And uh, I can relate to that myself, actually. I quite like it because I'm, I'm from like a small town and it's a completely different environment. And it was, it was a lot of fun sort of going into that. Yeah, like well, I can relate to that because growing up in uh, in Nova Scotia, um, you're only a stone's throw away from the woods uh, and the countryside and and nature. Um, but I, I come from a relatively big city, but so I have a love hate relationship with <laughs> with uh, I'm a city guy. I, I you know I'm I grew up in a city, so I'm a city guy. But I also like uh, the access to solace. And silence. So uh, I think I have a healthy balance of both, but predominantly I'm a city guy because those sounds of the city make me feel activated, alive, um, get me going, you know, they're stimulating. So really the other side is more of a relaxation when I want to unplug, if that makes any sense. Well, it's very nice to have both of those things, you know, Exactly. You know, and, but, you know, I, at the end of the day, I have to admit that, you know, okay, I'm a city boy and I, and I like those sounds, but. <laughs> this is from a Guardian article written by Matthew Keegan. It's called, Where is the World's Noisiest City? The constant roar of traffic, incessant construction noise, piercing sirens, 
honking horns, screeching loudspeakers, noise in cities is clearly a nuisance. But it's also a danger. The World Health Organization has described noise pollution as an underestimated threat that can cause hearing loss, cardiovascular problems, cognitive impairment, stress and depression. Some experts go further. They believe exposure to environmental noise could be slowly killing us. Noise pollution causes hypertension, diabetes, obesity, heart attacks, strokes and death, says Dr Daniel Fink, chairman of the Quiet Coalition, a community of health and legal professionals concerned with the adverse impacts of environmental noise. Noise pollution is often cited as one of the main factors in the reduced quality of life in large 24-hour cities like New York, where more than 200,000 noise complaints were recorded in 2016. It causes stress, which has its own adverse effects on health. While the impact of noise on mental health has not been studied extensively, research has shown that strong noise annoyance is associated with a twofold higher prevalence of depression and anxiety in the general population. A recent study by experts at the American College of Cardiology linked noise pollution to increased cardiovascular problems, high blood pressure, heart attacks, stroke, coronary heart disease, through the body's stress-mediated response, resulting in the release of the stress hormone cortisol, which in turn damages blood vessels. At a conference on noise, organised by the European Commission in April 2017, noise was regarded as the silent killer, with potentially severe consequences for our physical and mental health, and yet its impacts remain unreported and underestimated. Dr Owen King, Assistant Professor of Acoustics and author of the book Environmental Noise Pollution, calls noise the ignored pollutant. Environmental noise still continues to be poorly understood by practitioners, policymakers and the general public, he says. Though there is no set threshold to establish risk, anything above 60 decibels can increase risk for heart disease. Most worrying, says King, is the impact on children. Studies considering the effect that noise may have on children have found that tasks such as reading, attention span, problem solving and memory appear to be most affected by exposure to noise. The issue is compounded by debate over how much noise it is safe to be exposed to. In its Make Listening Safe guide, WHO states that 85 decibels is considered the highest safe exposure level, up to a maximum of 8 hours. However, others, think amongst them, argue this is still too loud. A car measures 70 decibels, a jackhammer 100, and a plane taking off 120, according to the WHO. Though there is no set threshold to establish risk, we do know that anything above 60 decibels can increase risk for heart disease. Dr. Thomas Munsell from the Mainz University Medical Center has said. A recent report by the BBC 
found that parts of the London Underground were loud enough to damage people's hearing, with noise levels greater than 105 decibels on many lines. The report stated that some were so loud they would require hearing protection if they were workplaces. Concerned about increased risk of hearing loss in cities, last year Mimi Hearing Technologies created a World Hearing Index to draw attention to the issue. With the results of hearing tests of 200,000 of their users worldwide and data on noise pollution from WHO and Sintef, a Norwegian research organisation, the index plotted levels of noise pollution and hearing loss in 50 cities. The study found that, on average, a person living in the loudest cities was hearing loss equivalent to that of someone 10 to 20 years older. Overall, the results showed a 64% correlation between hearing loss and noise pollution. Guangzhou, China, ranked as having the worst levels of noise pollution in the world, followed by Cairo, Paris, Beijing and Delhi. Of the 50 cities, Zurich was found to have the least noise pollution. Participants in Delhi recorded the highest average hearing loss, equivalent to someone 19.34 years older than them. Vienna had the lowest hearing loss, but still, on average, that of someone 10.59 years older. I like noise. And I like silence. I like noise. And I like silence. I like noise. And I like silence. This is from an article by Richard Gray published by BBC Future. It's called Inside the Quietest Place on Earth. If Lasselle Munro stands still for a few moments in his office, something unsettling can happen. He can hear the blood rushing around his body and his eyes squelch as they move in his skull. While many people work in places filled with the tip-tap of keyboards, the hubbub of chatter from colleagues and a constant hum of computers, Munro is surrounded by almost total silence. His office is the quietest place on the planet. The specially constructed chamber is hidden in the depths of Building 87 at Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond, Washington where the firm's hardware laboratories are based. Products like the Surface computers, Xbox and HoloLens have been developed here. Microsoft's engineers built the room, known as an anechoic chamber, to help them test new equipment they were developing and in 2015 it set the official world record for silence when the background noise level inside was measured at an ear-straining minus 20.6 decibels. To put that in context, a human whisper is about 30 decibels, while the sound of someone breathing normally comes in at just 10 decibels. 
it gets closer to the limit of what should be possible to achieve without creating a vacuum. The noise produced by air molecules colliding with each other at room temperature is estimated to be about minus 24 decibels. The limit of human hearing is thought to be around 0 decibels, although just because our ears cannot pick it up, it does not mean no sound is present, hence it is possible to get a negative value. It is a very unique experience inside with the door closed, says Munro. When you stop breathing, you can hear your heart beating and the blood flowing through your veins. I don't stay inside with the door closed very often. It took almost two years to design and build the chamber where Monroe's team now spend their days putting Microsoft's technology through its paces. Even finding a suitable building took nearly eight months of testing to find one quiet enough to house it. If a jet was taking off just outside the building, you would hear little more than a whisper inside the final concrete bunker. The chamber sits at the heart of six concrete onion layers that help to block out sounds from the outside world. This nest of rooms within rooms, each with walls up to 12 inches thick, helps to cut the noise reaching the chamber by around 110 decibels. This insulation makes a huge difference, explains Hondraj Gopal, principal human factors engineer at Microsoft who led the team that built the chamber. The chamber itself floats on top of 68 vibration dampening springs mounted on its own separate foundation slab. The chamber itself is one that is commercially available so anyone can buy it, says Gopal. But they paid extra attention to any minor feature that might bring unwanted sounds into the room. The secret is in the extra time and energy we put in to isolating the sprinkler system, putting in door seals, a specialised air supply, staggering the openings and the way the cables go in. There was a lot that went around this chamber that makes it unique. The result is a spot that is staggeringly quiet. Before officials from the Guinness Book of Records arrived to take measurements in Gopal's chamber, the world record for the quietest spot on earth was held by Orfil Laboratories in Minneapolis, which had an anechoic chamber that had noise levels of minus 9.4 decibels. The Microsoft lab smashed that. We didn't set out to build the quietest chamber on the planet, says Gopal. My intention was to have something that was at least zero decibels, which is the lowest the average human can hear. You would think that a place so quiet would also be peaceful, but for those who spend any time in there, it is far from the case. Gopal often gives visitors to Microsoft a tour of the audio laboratories, which includes a trip inside the anechoic chamber, and most find the experience very uncomfortable. Some people want out within a few seconds, he confides. They say they just can't be in there. It unsettles almost everybody. They can hear people breathing on the other side of the room and hear stomachs gurgling. A small number of people feel dizzy. This might seem like a strange reaction when most of us spend our lives seeking a bit of respite from the noise we are bombarded with every day, but Peter Sewardfeld, a psychologist at the University of British Columbia who has studied sensory deprivation, compares stepping into one of these chambers 
to being like entering a dark room. We are used to every sound producing a small echo from the world around us, he points out. In these chambers, there is just dead sound. It is just like going into a dark room. At first, you cannot see anything, but over time, your eyes adapt. There are people who love it and say it is meditative, he reveals. They find it relaxing. But the longest I've seen someone stay inside is for an hour, and that was to raise money for charity. I think if you spent too much time in there, it would drive you crazy. Every swallow you make is really loud. When you open the door, it is almost like a waterfall of sound hitting your ears, says Monroe. It is like stepping out into a different world. You hear things that you wouldn't normally notice. It gives you a new perspective. Let's hear from Susie Buttress, host of the Casual Birder podcast. A few years ago, we were in Banff in Canada on holiday and it was winter. So my husband was off skiing and I went out for a walk and I was in this wood and they were hoping to see birds and there was nothing. There was no sound. There was nothing, no traffic, no planes, no birds. The only sound was me walking on the snow. And then when I stood still, there was nothing. And it was really strange to be somewhere where there was no sound, not even a little chirp of a tree creeper somewhere, you know, nothing. And the birds there seem to go around in small flocks. So you might be somewhere and you'll have a little bird, a little group of mixed species together because they're following each other around looking for food and working together. And if they move on, I mean, the woods are so fast anyway, but they move on and suddenly there's nothing. And if you're really lucky, there might be a squirrel somewhere, you know, running up a tree trunk. But other than that, nothing. And it's actually quite, on the one hand, it's quite calming, but on the other, it's quite unnerving because you then think, where is life? Where is everything? <laughs> There's nothing around. It's, it's, it's really strange. But I've not experienced that in this country. Wherever I am, you know, if we're at the coast, there's the sound of the sea. If I'm in the countryside, there's, you know, going to be planes somewhere or there'll be farming noises. I, I don't think I've been, even, even in Scotland, you know, on mountainsides, there's wind. So you've got noise. Mm, yeah, I don't yeah. think I've been at that in Banff. I absolutely remember it being so silent oh I would say I've been lucky enough to go to Antarctica as well and wow uh, there are times there when everyone else is asleep (laughs) and you're on the ship (laughs) or you know there have been times it's been pretty quiet but generally if you're on the land it's because you've gone to a penguin colony or something and they are not silent so I can tell you that but yeah even there there was only really one time when I was very much aware of silence and we were sailing down a channel but even that wasn't fully silent because it was um there were icebergs in the water and we were going through the ice so the the crunch noise of us going through the ice of course there were people on the ship so people were talking there was the noise of the boat but they they really the the boat engine was very very quiet and but yeah my, my only real experience of proper quiet was in that wood in Banff in the winter. I like peace and I like quiet. 
I like to hear tiny droplets of orange juice spurting out through the peel. I like noise and I like riot. I like to hear elephants squabbling over territory. Or maybe we've been interpreting those squabbles wrong. Maybe they're not territorial. Maybe it's more of a philosophical debate gone wrong. We've all had those, right? I like peace and I like quiet. I like to hear frog spawn floating. I like noise and I like riot. I like to hear an actual bull in an actual china shop. I Like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. A complete list of source material can be found in the show notes. My guests this week were Reg Seaton and Susie Buttress. Reg has a podcast called Starting Overdrive and I have to say it's one of the best shows around. I've appeared on Starting Overdrive myself, talking about epilepsy and the impacts of being diagnosed with that condition. Check that out. Susie's podcast, The Casual Birder, is an absolutely great one too. It's for bird lovers everywhere. Both Susie and Reg will be back on I Like The Sound very soon. Some great stuff coming up. My website is frankburton.co.uk. I currently have three books available to buy. The short story collection, A History of Sarcasm, the novel 100, and the first in the Ragbag series of novels, Everything I Am. The second one will be out very soon. The audiobook version is available on Bandcamp. I also have another podcast. The name of that podcast is Ragbag, and it is really, really good. Check that out too. Please do share this show around, subscribe, give us a rating and review. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Follow us. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.